Hello, how are you? Oh, I'm just... No, that's all good. I'm just halfway through a podcast. But start again. Jesus. Oh, my God. Amateur. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> They're a little bit loose, a little bit unstrung, and they've probably had a few beers beforehand. Please welcome Matt Crummins and Tom Fancy Pants Putt with yet another episode of Matt and Tom's Excellent Adventure. Welcome back to the land of the living. I mean, my God, wouldn't we all love to have the life that you've had the last few months? Just swanning around, taking photos, posting on Facebook and Instagram. Look at me, look at me. Let me just show you my new body because I've lost 300 kilos since Christmas. Uh, and, Tom, I think the part that you're missing is that out of all the people who are listening, which is probably only that bloke from home. <laughs> um, <laughs> people actually listen to this stuff. No, I think everyone's too busy listening to Cam's well, podcast. Well, you should all. You are, yeah, yeah, they're on Cam's podcast. Big shout out to Cam Blake, by the way. Doing no, great. piss off. No, stop. He's not. <laughs> and you just want to flog your book with him because you guys are little wank mates now. And we are, I, yeah. we are lovers. Look, I love Cam. I love Cam, Tom, and I love you. But here's the thing. I also love Vegemite and I like ice cream, but they just don't go together, you know? (laughs) Are you trying to tell me something? I'm just saying that I I like you guys when it's not teaming up on me. (laughs) You just, I think you feel threatened. You feel intimidated by our um, magnificence. Um, we could go with that. <laughs> you are such an asshole. I, I just want my name on one of your books when I haven't written it myself, you know, like, oh, yeah. Right. Yeah. It'd be kind of, I think it'd be I, nice to nice to have your name up in lights like that. I don't like where you're going with this. Yeah. Mm. I'm going to write a book and <laughs> I'm just going to use your images and publish my you name, know, basically. Oh, <laughs> out of the wrong side of the bed today, Matthew. You need to go back to bed and get out of the other side of the bed, grab yourself a coffee and go, the day is amazing. I'm going to record a podcast with my best friend, Tom, and the, this is going to be the best day of my life. No, okay. Look, I'm going to move on from this, but one last question, Tom. Here we go. Is he with you there now? No, he's not. Actually, actually. I've got my video on. Is that how you know? Yeah, I heard a scratchy beard against your chest and I thought, that's that's not Tom's. Poor Mary, she's um, she's in the doghouse and Cam and I are just, um, well, you know, Mm -hmm. taking advantage of the fact that, you know, it's a a strong bromance and it's in the honeymoon phase. So why not? Yeah. 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 Yeah, you're an idiot. <laughs> I love it. You've just basically in the last five minutes completely rebranded Tom Putt Photography. But anyway. Keep an eye out for the Cradle Mountain Overland Track book. could be out by Christmas. Available to purchase on Cam Blake's website as well as mine. Everybody, just uh, tomputt.com, camblakephotography.com.au. Order your copy now. It will no doubt sell out in a flash. Um. I'm, can I just suggest a name for it? Because it's on Cradle, it's about Cradle Mountain, isn't it? Maybe. I think you should call it Cradle Snatcher. (laughs) (laughs) You are unbelievable. I have teenage daughters, you know. I know. They, no, it's not offensive at all. I think Cam's like, what, 15 years younger than you, isn't he? He's 43, he's five years younger than me. What do you want about? He's greyer than I am. He's got 
grey beard and everything. Oh, the worst part is that I knew he was 43, but I still thought he was 15 years younger. <laughs> anyway, oh, moving on, Tom. Oh, I know. I'm We're just playing catch-up because I believe I spoke to someone on the phone yesterday and they said that whilst I was away that Cam, you and Nick and Wes all individually and as groups have, have somewhat been, um, you know, hanging a bit on me. So um, I'm just making up for a bit of lost time. I can't. I can't. I can't believe that that would ever happen. I did no. post a semi-naked photo of you on Facebook. That was about it. Yeah. yeah. And you didn't even Photoshop it, which is sad. <laughs> I, I didn't need to, Matt. It was absolute perfection in the first place. Mm, okay. <laughs> right. Could have done the hassle huff and put a little puppy there or something. <laughs> can't handle the compliments. Can't handle the compliments. What? Look, yeah. you know, funnily enough, to get down to the serious stuff. Ooh. I am- and we're only four minutes 45 in, by the way, team. That's pretty exciting. Had people say to me, "When are you going to do another podcast?" The seventeenth wow. of July. Seventeenth of July. That was about six weeks, seven weeks ago. Now, a lot has happened. A lot has happened. We've got a lot to cover off in the forty odd minutes that we have left. We could maybe do two podcasts about the things that have happened, and then we can give people twice as much of what they probably weren't asking for. <laughs> <laughs> We're twice of twice as much of something is just not ever enough. No. Um, yeah, look, will you start because you're, you've got, your life is far more exciting than mine. Oh, I don't know about that. I spoke to you yesterday and you were up at – yesterday, day before, you were up at Threadbow. I was, yeah. Which was – that's pretty exciting. Look, we've had – Was a it crazy, snowy? Uh, yeah, look, there's not as much snow down the bottom anymore. Um, they, they certainly had a great start to the season, but then since then it, it's probably been a – average if not poor season in general for snow is that the same as victoria or yeah 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 everywhere oh really even down in tassie the guys down there who like to do a lot of winter photography have been complaining about the conditions so yeah not a great year unfortunately good for the good for the resorts i think everyone's gone up there regardless and spent money and skied and and they've been chockers so that's great well, that's good news. Two years of COVID, yeah, absolutely. So, and maybe it's a good incentive to buy your snow book because when they look out the window and the conditions are not very good, they could just put the book up to the window and look at the pictures. I, I love your idea, but I, mm. I think they could buy multiple copies and fill the whole window frame just with the book. Just stack one on top of the other. This is basically the start of Tom Putt VR, isn't it? <laughs> like <laughs> coming to a home near you, absolutely. coming to a bookshop near you. It sounds it sounds fitting. <laughs> VR branded goggles and all it will do is just show Tom Putt content the whole time. Yeah. But if you turn around in the VR, like you're looking at this amazing landscape and you turn around and it's just you crept up really close. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like you're looking through the camera that's straight into their eyes yeah. lovingly. <laughs> now even I would find that creepy. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. right. Yes, yeah. Mary and I did a big road trip just the last three days. We drove from Melbourne to Mansfield to Falls Creek to Jindabyne, Threadbow, uh, Kuma, and then back through Can River, Gippsland, Bensdale, Sale, Warrigal, mm. etc. We did fourteen hundred kilometres in three days to do a bit of a <laughs> arsend road trip. Arsend in the sense that we did it ask about like it should have been done right as soon as the the snowbook arrived, but we were so busy doing other things that we didn't get the chance to. So it was a matter of visiting our suppliers who have already done extremely well selling the book over winter as well as um, touching base with a few new suppliers. So we sold uh, 55 books in total, which was great. 
and then um, you know I think I'm hoping that we published a thousand, printed a thousand. We've already sold over three hundred. I'm hoping by the, and we're only just getting going. So I'm hoping by the end of next season, as in this time next year, we would have sold out of that, and uh, and that'll be a great result. I think. There you go. Pretty and cool. And so we haven't spoken much about this book, but I was under the, the, for some reason, under the impression that it was a Victorian Alpine snow book, but it's not. No, no, no. It's, it's New South Wales, Victoria, and a little bit of Tassie. And the title is Snow Landscapes of Australia, but it's a bit of a misnomer. I will tell you that it's not comprehensively sort of everywhere that gets snow in Australia. It's just a start and the idea is to do a sequel, um, a follow-up, a, a second edition, what have you, and include uh, more places that I haven't got to yet. I camped on the summit of Cradle Mountain the other day and got some great photos. Um, there's lots of places down in Tassie that I haven't got to. Um, the Grampians, you know, gets the occasional snow, so I'd like mm-hmm. to get photos there. Just, you know, some random places that I haven't got to yet. There's there's more than enough to fill another book, to be honest, but uh it's timing, you know, like again already we're at the end of the season and I haven't even got up to the snow really this year. So it's um, passed me by already. So I reckon it won't, be, it won't be long till you need to add Sydney to that list, I reckon, because they're getting pretty extreme weather as well. <laughs> that's, uh, that's, that's the next book on floods. I yeah, think. that's it. Well, that's good because the first one, Snow Landscapes of Australia, the other one will be like Snow Cityscapes of Australia. <laughs> they just can't take a trick up there. I feel so sorry for them. Um, yeah, I can't, I can't imagine losing your possessions in a flood to not, and then to have it more than once. And especially when a lot of these places aren't normally floody places. Yeah, exactly. You know, there, there are mm. some that, that typically get floods and others that are not. But wow, they just they, they won't stop raining in Sydney this year. Yeah, well, things are changing because on our little road trip, slightly more than the 1,400 kilometres that you covered. um, (laughs) Add a zero to that. (laughs) But um, we actually had some really unusual weather as well, which was really cool from a photography perspective, I think, anyway. Although I probably would like to see it in both both sort of uh, conditions. But a lot of um, the places we went were incredibly green. Yeah. Not just like, I know that it's, I mean, up there, it's not the wet season, um, it's the dry season, but still, because it's cooler, sometimes it is a bit green. Um, But this is sort of the heart of the dry season in places that it's, you know, gets a little bit of foliage, but we're talking like the Pilbara was lit up green. There was virtually very little red compared to the green. Yeah. Um, You know, even all the way up uh, through the Gibb River Road, um, that area was just, yeah, really luscious, like rainforesty um, in areas that traditionally, um, yeah, they're not not anywhere near as green as what they are. So it was kind of weird. I was expecting these really barren landscapes in certain spots, and here we rocked up to a bloody tropical rainforest. Yeah. So yeah, yeah it's uh, it's interesting to see what's going on weather wise, and it really affects people's photography. Like I think often, like not that that's a priority. I mean, I don't think we should do climate change uh, activism for photographers, but. Yeah. Um, but it is interesting, I think, you know, things like your snowbook, I I suspect it won't be too many years down the track before, you know, that book is going to be uh, a marker in time as opposed to, um, you know, <laughs> things people can actually go out and see. It's, it's, it's not a um, sort of dramatic comment that you've just made, to be honest. I know that Grant Dixon, a fellow snow and mountaineer photographer, not that I'm in his class, but 
he's based down in Tassie and there's places that he can't photograph now in the same way that he did 30 years ago. He, he published a book called Winterlight, which is on snow landscapes of Tasmania a few years ago. And I flipped through that and I'm like, oh, my God, look at how much snow there is on Barn Bluff, for example, mm. where I've been. And I can't imagine it with that much snow on it compared to what I've just seen. Um, so, yeah, times are changing. Um, who's to say whether or not it's going to be, you know, a historic publication? Uh, mm. But... I'm born in the wrong era. I needed to be born 30 years earlier or something like that. I'd still like to be shooting my panoramic film camera and I'd certainly like it to be colder than it is. But um, what You're probably the only person in the southern part of Australia to say that one line. <laughs> um. no, no, there's quite a few of us that are ski bunnies that would love for it to um, there to be more snow and to be colder than it is. But anyway, yeah, it's, yeah. Um, yeah, the book's great and it's been very well received. We're really happy with the way it's selling, particularly... I think the- I think the cover looks pretty cool. I love the it is um it's pretty eye catching. I reckon. Thank you. It's um it's um, the feedback from the retailers who are selling it is is the same. They love the cover. It really stands out. It for those who haven't seen it, it's just a it's a big thirty by thirty centimeter hardcover coffee table book. It weighs about two and a half kilos, so it's a big big mother, and it uh, has a white cover with just a lone snow gun covered in snow and uh, taken up at Hotham about 10 years ago now. And, uh, yeah, it just sort of tells you what it is. It's like a book on snow landscapes of Australia. So, um, yeah, really, oh, speaking of snow landscapes of Australia, really, I, I really love what, what, what we've done there. But equally so, a shout-out to a photographer who I'm not sure whether you've considered to have him at BFOP, and we'll talk about BFOP um, soon, but... Charles Davis is a wildlife photographer here in Australia who specialises in photographs of wildlife in the snow. And we visited his gallery, which is an amazing gallery in an abandoned church in Cooma in uh, regional New South Wales near the Snowy Mountains, probably about an hour away from the Snowy Mountains. And uh, what a, wow, big shout out to Charles. He's done a great job with That sounds like probably one of the hardest, most tedious genres to photograph. (laughs) Oh, my God, yeah. Like let's make wildlife photography, wildlife photography is hard enough, but let's make sure that we have to get out in blizzards and photograph, you know, birds and wombats and echidnas traipsing around in the snow. Well, because it's hard enough to find them when it's like sunny and, you know, (laughs) and warm and, you know, you've got to sit there camped out waiting for something. Like in the snow sitting camped out waiting for something that's likely to not actually turn up is, it'd be like the worst Tinder date ever. (laughs) (laughs) Just sitting there waiting, hoping, and then you realise eventually you just got stood up and sat in the cold for six hours. Story of your Tinder life, it sounds like, Matthew, that's going no, that was, Unfortunately, now. that was a time before. I, that, that came out after I got married. Before Tinder. Is, you know, right. yeah. Anyway, probably a good thing, to be honest. Probably still on it. I think I've seen you there. Or is that so how, is that, no, that's, that was probably that Photoshop job that you did. Uh, <laughs> I know. So what, so what sort of, like, he's photographing wildlife in the snow. Yeah. Like, I mean... One thing I find really difficult about Australia, because I'm a, I'm, I'm actually rebranding myself in oh. my own head at the moment. Oh, so not like rebranding, like marketing rebranding, like rebranding my own head. Because as a photographer, I kind of feel like um, you, you're always trying to find your way. Like, what is, what do, you, what do you do? What do you be known for? And like, I even look at your photography, and you know, yeah, you're a landscape photographer, but you do a lot of aerial abstracts, which yeah, technically a landscape, but I'd say they're kind of different. Like, aerial and landscape. I think should fit into different categories in a way. I don't know why. Right. But 
but I've always called myself a wildlife photographer. Yes. And the reality is I actually like shooting a bunch of stuff. Like I really enjoy landscapes, not, not the, to the same level as what, you know, you would go out and shoot landscapes. Um, I really enjoyed a bit of a stinted aerial photography. Um, yes. Again, though, I'm not going to go out there and, you know, start, you know, doing that as a, as a, as a primary gig. Um, and I really like wildlife and underwater. But I sort of thought to myself, you know, Australia is particularly difficult for wildlife because we do have a ton of it, but a lot of it's incredibly rare or it's nocturnal or it's really tiny or it's very specific to a region, which makes it quite hard. Like we have a lot of, kang you know, general wildlife. We have a lot of kangaroos and a lot of birds. Um, and so I look at it now and I'm trying to sort of broaden that scope to sort of say like nature, you know, because that could incorporate anything that's like a landscape in nature through to, to, through to animals and, and things like that. But I can't fathom, you know, as a wildlife photographer, you, that's a narrow niche to start with in Australia, I think. Um, then to narrow that down to snow animals, it's just like, geez, yeah. you're really like, that's, in, that's incredibly, de incredible dedication to do that. Yeah. But yeah. can you imagine, can you imagine then, um, how much you're going to own that space if you do it well? Like I believe Charles does, you know, he does it extremely well, but he kind of mm. owns that space. Like if you were to think to yourself, I wonder if anyone photographs, you know, wildlife in the winter here in Australia, like in the snow and stuff, he'd just, he'd, you're that man. Yeah. He'd immediately come to mind. So, well, Nick's always uh, talked about this because he talks about being ultra niche in photography, um, you know, which is ironic coming from someone who's hardly a photographer. Right. Shout out to Nick Fletcher. Um, <laughs> the. <laughs> <laughs> no, but he's incredibly knowledgeable about photographers in general. And he's got a guy that he follows who's in, I think he's in Canada, and all he does is macro photos of snowflakes. Right. And I said, yes. mate, that sounds no, like so bloody right. niche. But apparently he's like, well done. Mary bought the, his book for Christmas for me. Um, there you go. Yeah, what's his name? I'm trying to think of it. I can't remember. She saw it advertised on Facebook. Yeah. Yeah, but that's that, I guess you're right though. It shows if you if you nail that niche, you you really nail it. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Yeah, yeah. So maybe he maybe we go one step further, and it's like do close up wide angle portraits of marsupials, Australian marsupials, well, naturally Australian marsupials, in snowy locations at dusk. <laughs> Photographer, <laughs> you're crazy. I know. I'm just trying to think of ideas, clutching at straws here. You know, how can I re reinvent myself? <laughs> you are unbelievable. Hey, um, speaking of owning your space, I believe that somebody just recently won a major Australian photographic award in a genre of black and white wildlife photography. Do you know anyone that I might be talking about? I'm blushing, Thomas. Um, <laughs> Congratulations, young man. I do believe, I do believe, I do have to premise this conversation with the fact that um, many people since attending my Bright Festival of Photography <laughs> How to Win Photo Competitions have been either inspired by what I spoke about or have literally taken on board all of the amazing knowledge that I gave away in that in that presentation and have gone on to have tremendous success and yet you are another example of that. It does seem that way, doesn't it? <laughs> it does. It is that way. What yeah. Do you mean? It doesn't seem um, like it is. 
Yeah. Well, you know what? I've, I've definitely, I don't, I think um, inspired is a very strong word. I'm going to say encouraged. <laughs> Uh, you are no. leaving it short. I know I'm trying to steal the limelight from you, which is um, just, I think, but at the end of the day, you just need to say, yes, Tom, you're amazing, and then you can talk about yourself for the rest of the conversation. You've obviously not checked your mail because I actually sent you one of those love letters. Um, it's obviously not arrived yet, but uh, no, yeah, I did. Yeah, I got lost letters. in the mail, just like the check did. Yeah, yeah. Much. yeah. That's all right. I'll, I'll, um, I'll, I'll make sure I, I'll forward another one because, you know, <laughs> it's a big prize. So, uh, no, I I thank you. And you know what? I thank you for actually putting some context around it as well because I had a very, very funny situation where um, when when I got the, the notice saying that I'd won the award, which is, I'm stoked about because as we've discussed many times, I think on this podcast, I'm pretty disillusioned with um, competitions because I find that especially in the nature and wildlife space, um, I don't expect to win. I, I, I think I've got some some pretty strong images I put in there, so I'm not trying to shortchange myself. Um, but I don't expect to win because there are, in a lot of cases, some really, you know, like insane photos you go up against. But it's not unusual that, I, that I'm looking at a competition and looking at all the runners-up and the winners, even ones I'm not involved in, and going, oh, it seems a bit weird that that one won. It doesn't really seem to have the same depth as some of the, you know, the uh, the shortlisted or running up images. But I was pretty chuffed looking at the shortlists um, of the Australian Geo Comp and even the winner and actually going, no, they, these this looks right. You know, like it didn't look like, um, you know, it was a competition where they didn't, I don't even think they had that many entries. I think it was 2,600 entries across the whole thing. Um, and then there were 600 shortlisted. Um, or I think it was 600 shortlisted. Anyway, a lot of photos shortlisted. Um, and that to me sort of said, okay, it's not like a mass event where you get, you know, 10,000 images submitted and they're all different calibre and, you know, they kind of give everyone a bit of a shot at it. This was, I think it kind of attracted a lot of just really good work. And so, yeah, looking at the shortlist, Laura and I were like, you know what? Like I really love my photo um, that, that won it, but... We were looking at them going, actually, I really like some of these other photos. Like they're really not just talented, but beautiful, um, you know, talented photographers taking beautiful images of really intriguing subjects. So to win it was kind of, I don't know, felt a bit more special because you weren't just going, oh, yeah, well, like I, I'm really proud of my photo. And, you know, the competition was okay, but, you know, it was a mixed bag. I really think that every every shot that got up there, even into the shortlist, was, you know, pretty awesome. And, and so I think it makes it a bit, feels a bit more valuable, you know. What you're really trying to say is that you deserve to win based on how good your photograph was. No, I don't think that. I think it's just that sometimes you go, um, let's say, for instance, you take, you know, I'm going to use the example, I think it was the Australian Photography Awards, which sounds like this massively prestigious award. But, you know, a few years ago, the wildlife category was won by cows in a paddock and the runner-up was a cat under a lamp. <laughs> no, I'm, not, I'm not even shitting no, you. Like they are, they are genuinely. There was, there was. It was an abstract of cows in a paddock, um, and they, they'd done a slow exposure. And of course, the cows were sometimes kind of static and sometimes moving. So it kind of had this like washy. It was very artsy. Don't get me wrong. Beautiful photo. Um, and then the runner-up. But but I guess the thing with the photo is like it was a beautiful photo of cows. It, to me, wildlife. When you're up against the likes of you know Darren Jew, who's got these incredible underwater scenes of like whales and stuff like that. Um, a photo of cows in a paddock against a background, it's a beautiful shot. But from a wildlife perspective, 
it's yeah. a creative shot. I don't know that it's talented from a wildlife perspective. It's talented from a landscape perspective, I almost think. You know, it's a landscape that has cows in it. Um, and the runner-up was genuinely one of those hairless, wrinkly cats sitting under someone's desk lamp. And I'm thinking, what the hell? And I looked at the story thinking, oh, there must be a really cool story. And it wasn't. It was just someone who go, who said, I was sitting at my desk working late at night and my wrinkly, whatever their name, cat is, sat under my desk lamp and I just loved the way the light fell on it. <laughs> and I'm like the f you know like yeah. where when you're up against people who have traveled halfway across the globe to seek out a type of species um you know and photograph them in their natural environment maybe not even doing something exciting but geez the effort and talent that goes into doing all those other parts not just taking the shot i feel like that got discounted whereas the australian geo ones like if you look at the winner um you know i'll, I'll i don't know if you've, you've seen it but um the uh, the winner of um, that she she's a girl from um, Exmouth um, I think dare I say her name is Ashley um, she in her her acceptance of it said that you know she's not not new to it but she is um, uh, she she's in the you know the beginnings of her career in in underwater photography and they went out and saw this they they saw a, a calf a whale um, that was separated from its mum. And the dive boats tracked this whale, you know, for a matter of weeks, all kind of like reporting in where they'd seen it. Um, and then they noticed that it was getting bite marks on it from sharks because it's been left alone, which is, you know, this is a devastating part of, of watching this stuff unfold. You, you, they're not intervening and just sort of, I guess, having to observe nature. Yeah. Um, and then eventually they realised that the, the whale was missing and it was reported from one of the planes, I think, that, you know, they'd seen what looked like a, a dark um, you know, dark something on the bottom of the, the water and that there was a noticeable quantity of sharks around or something. And so they found it, said they, you know, from the surface you could sort of smell that there was something going on and, you know, dived in. And then she's got this amazing shot, really incredibly composed, like the colour palette she's used, everything about it. It's, it's this, this whale carcass on the bottom that's almost stripped entirely of flesh with a tiger shark circling it. Yeah. Um, and even the sand patterns around it are like almost this perfect circle. It's... It's, it's incredible. And when you look at the winners in that comp, I really think you go, yeah, that's wildlife. Like that yeah. is the wild and that is people who are passionate about what they do and they're out there deliberately capturing these things. And yeah. so I found it to be a really heartening experience to to win that because in especially in the monochrome category, um, I think all of those shots were really compelling. Yeah. Um, and so that really pumped me up. I was like, holy shit, if I can win in this, like that's exciting. <laughs> you yeah, know, not yeah. to, wow. you, win a, you win a competition where it's like, and you look at the competition, you go, oh, well, look, I really, you know, with my experience and my photo, I probably think I should be up in the top section. Um, and then you win it. You're like, yeah, cool. Well, if, if you, you know, you're a, you're a big fish in a small pond, this is more of a, I don't know, you're a, you feel like a small fish in an ultra tight niche pond <laughs> and you still can get up there. It's, yeah, very exciting. Your name is up in lights now, Matt. Everyone it's in a book. It's in a book, Tom. <sighs> it's just it. not on the front cover. Although you'd be shattered, <laughs> oh, you'd be shattered because the, the front cover of that, um, the catalogue from Australia Geographic, um, the photo that's on it, it's a shark. Um, yeah, it's split shot 50-50 under the surface of a grey, grey um, sorry, great white. Right. And... Ironically, that photo was, I think, one of the runner-up shots, not the actual winner of the oh, category. Right. So it's a really cool shot. It works so well for the cover. But like, yeah. if you'd won that category, you'd be a little bit like, oh, oops. Yeah, what happened to mine? <laughs> yeah, that's it. So obviously the book was made before the judging came out. 
but um, ah, or, or at least designed or something. I don't know, but yeah, right. it's a it's a pretty cool thing. Yeah, and you visited the exhibition at the South Australian Museum there. Yeah, got along to it, which is pretty cool to see it again. Um, you know, on the wall, so it was inspiring. You know, I think it's so, and I think I'd like to talk to this. I mean, this can be about today's today's podcast, not just a catch up. We could actually talk about photography a little bit. Um, <laughs> oh God, boring. Okay, I know. No, no, but like, wake me up when you're done. You've talked about this a lot in the past about printing your images. Ah, yes. And to walk into the gal- like to the a gallery inside a museum where it's lit beautifully and see your image printed, you know, it's, they're about 70 centimetres across on the long edge, printed, lit with a caption next to it. There is something, you walk in there and you just go, oh, on the computer it's a really cool shot. Seeing it in print, I don't know, it's like it, 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 it like triggers something instinctual in your brain that makes it feel more valuable and more worthy. Yeah. Yeah, there's a real emotion around it, isn't there? Yeah. yeah. I even look at some of the shots in your gallery and I think I always come I always come back to um it was on the back right hand wall. It was the gums, you know, in the in the yes. midst. Yeah. Um so anyone who's not been to Tom's gallery, you should get down there and, and have a look because it's um it's a really good little diverse snapshot of, of a lot of different places. Um, a lot of it's around that Mornington section area, but it's not just like beachscapes. Um, there's there's a photo though of these close up long lens, I think it was, of, of some gum trees in fog. And there's a lot of beautiful subtle colors and things. If I saw that on my computer pop up under Tom Putt photography, I'd be like, oh yeah, that's cool. It's a nice shot, maybe like and move on. But to see it printed a metre and a half by a metre and a half on the wall and lit nicely, a photo that on your computer kind of goes, yeah, it's really nice, but yeah, whatever. Put it on a print, you're just like, wow, that suddenly feels <laughs> substantial, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think it makes it more valuable. It makes it, um, does the print justice. It's um, part of what I was alluding to with Charles's gallery, Charles Davis, is that uh, he's done a brilliant job with printing his work in, a large format. It's in an abandoned church that was had been abandoned since the seventies. He gutted it, put in new flooring, lighting, etc. And all of the prints are about a meter and a half wide. He's got about yeah, right, twenty or more of them in there. It's quite a large space, and uh, it's just so impressive to see prints that big. I, I love the idea of big prints. I think it's um, the bigger the better, and uh, yeah, it gives you a feel for actually being there whether it's a landscape shot or a wildlife shot etc um it's uh yeah it's the way to way to do it and what's your and so have you always been someone who's been interested in print i mean because i know you came from film days so i guess printing was or developing was really your only option but um is like did you have a turnaround point because obviously when digital came in and you you went to digital um printing probably you know took a back seat for a minute whilst everyone got excited about digital, did you, was there a turnaround point where you went back to printing um, and back to that passion or have you always had I, kind of- I haven't it? really printed a lot, you know, in, in my time. A, a lot of what we print for the gallery is the first time I've seen it in print um, because there's just not been a reason to print in the past. And I think this is the problem with most of our listeners the three of you out there is that uh, you, you've got to find an excuse to print, you know, like well, what, what, what would I print this for, you know, like hopefully to hang in your own home if nothing else. But um, printing 
is is incredibly easy these days compared to what it used to be uh, back in the day with film. You know, if you wanted to make a decent photograph, uh, you know, the Cibachrome prints, for example, that were printed from the negative were incredibly expensive. Impressive, no doubt, but so much more expensive than what prints are these days. And, um, you know, even uh, my friends at Brilliant Prints can do a, a beautiful semi-luster Kodak paper print, you know, quite large for, you know, 30 40 $60, you know. So there's there's really no excuse these days. It's it's incredibly easy, obviously, just to upload a photograph and, and, um, and order it in whatever size you like and not have to spend the earth. So... Um, I think that's that's um, you know encouraging for anyone, and and certainly we now on our workshops give away um, a ninety by sixty metal print from Brilliant Prints um, to all of our workshop participants as a excuse or as, as a way to encourage them to actually print their work. You know, come away on a workshop, get a photograph that you love, and make sure you print it and put it on the wall as a memento and and a sort of you know, stake in the ground, so to speak, of, of um, the good work that you've done, you know, as a photographer. So certainly needs to be more of it. Yeah, I think that you're right. Like, I really think that when it comes to, I guess, pr producing your work, I really think, yeah, uh, you obviously do see your work in a different light. I think it feels a bit more valuable. But I think sometimes, as you say, like, um, one of the beautiful things about image photos, I guess, is, you can get really dramatic photos where you're taking a photo of like something, you know, like a sunrise over a mountain and the clouds light up and everything's just absolutely incredible. Um, Thomas, can I just pause for one second? Of course. Just uh, hold on one sec. Do you want me to pause the recording? That would be really good. No. As, as he goes to the toilet, pours himself another coffee, attends to Isla who is perhaps tugging at his coattails. Not sure what uh, Matthew is up to, but uh, nonetheless, we will chat further about other things coming up. Of course, BFOP, the Bright Festival of Photography. I believe there are still tickets available. This is the first time in a couple of years that we're actually getting together in person in Bright in the Victorian high country and we will be there in person i think there's over 100 workshops 30 or more instructors um then all giving their utmost and uh, sharing everything they know about photography so if you are interested in attending it's the october the 7th to the 9th so it's just over four weeks away up in Bright in the Victorian high country there. There's still plenty of accommodation available, so don't worry about that. Jump online, type in Bright Festival of Photography, grab your ticket because they will be sold out very quickly indeed. And uh, we'd love to see you up there. Uh, Welcome back. We were talking about printing your work, et cetera, et cetera, but we've flogged that horse and I wanted to get on yeah. to other things. What about? All right, we've got so about ten come, minutes left. So, um, did you want to talk about your trip? Do you want to talk about BFOP? What do you want to do? Uh, you know what? A good, good um, segue. Let's do a good okay. segue into BFOP. Let's go. How's that all? 
and because the, seg- the segue can be that I, just <laughs> I can imagine that'll be the, the that'll be one of many in the next four weeks um i i was crapping on about bfop um as you were sort of uh you know dealing with other matters so it is a good segue so how's it all shaping up Oh, well, after that phone call, Jesus. Um, no. If we uh, won't disclose the details of that conversation, no. That... No, no, that's it. But it oh, well, we love that. Yes. Yeah. No. <laughs> the, no, the festival is, I'm super excited about it this year. I'm like, I'm stressed out like buggery and I'm really not enjoying the process, but I'm excited about what it's going to be. Um this year is by far the biggest from a workshop Very perspective. Um, yep, uh, especially going back into it after two years of kind of being online. Um, it is very exciting from that perspective. I think it's really exciting just to be up there again. It's, you know, things have changed up there a bit as well. We've got some new genres. So we've got some, um, some fine art photography Ooh. going on up there which a lot of people get kind of confused about. Um, and so I think this one's really interesting because it's true fine art. It's from, by the yeah, end, right. from the MGA. Um, uh, there's some film workshops, like people doing film photography, which is pretty cool. And you don't even have to have your own camera. So they actually Stop it. apparently Nick, without telling me, has gone and bought 25 <laughs> film cameras and loaded right. the film. So uh, there might be some film cameras Sounds for sale like afterwards. Yeah, well. but they're the Instamatics, um, the little ones, your plastic ones. No, uh, uh-uh. these are like no, these are like proper big grown-up people for wow. cameras. So I think they're still like they, you know, um, they're not like interchangeable lens and stuff, but they're not little instamatics. These are uh, the bloody yeah, budget. The BFOP budget has exploded this year. Unbelievable! You must be making too much money. Uh, or um, we could have just had a panic phone call um, and podcast <laughs> for a minute to talk about it. <laughs> um, no, there's, there's uh, look, it, the festival itself, I think um, it's really nice. We get, we're at that point now where, uh, you know, we've previously had to buy a bit of infrastructure um, each year to sort of add to the, the festival. But, you know, last year we, well, 2020, when we didn't get to run it, we, we bought some big TVs for the marquee so people yep. can actually see what's happening. Um, and then, you know, we've had to buy a generator, all these sorts of things. So once you get that, you know, that little bit of budget then frees up to um, to do some cool yeah. stuff like the film awesome. things. So, um, yeah. So we've got, so we got that sort of stuff happening. What else we got? Um, obviously, we've got, you know, uh, I don't want to say our standard fare because that makes it sound, you know, cheapened. But it's, um, you know, we've got, you know, what you'd expect from photography workshops at a festival. Um but yeah, we've got some new people. Um, Matt Irwin's coming up. We've got um, uh, Kim Vueling, who is uh, doing. Oh, is that King Julian from Madagascar? <laughs> look at me, look at me. I'm a lady. I'm a lady. Uh, no, no. <laughs> Dogs uh, get on the feet. <laughs> I hope she doesn't listen to this because uh, that's. Uh, um, but no, we've she so. We get this request like every year, and it's usually from a couple of um, instructors. Not um, anyone else. Ask whether we can do do some middle-aged men wanting to photograph young women. Disgusting behaviour. Tom, (laughs) you are one of those middle-aged men who asks every year. Um, Oh dear, (laughs) yes, true. Yeah. That's it, and uh, and I even saw your eyes light up when Louise put her workshop on called um, you know, <laughs> or something, and, and I think you mis- I misinterpreted. Was, um, I thought it was I thought it was specially for um, me that workshop. 
<laughs> but um, so anyway, we, we've had this request year after year after year, and Nick's always like, "Let's just do it," you know, um, a, because it'd be you know something. Well. That it is yeah. a it's a yeah, it's a pretty pretty uh pretty popular genre of photography though. I think it's something again. It's not very accessible to your average person. I still don't know what we're um, talking about. <laughs> nudes. We are not doing nudes. We are not. So we are. We are. Because guess what, Tom? You want to put you, do, you <laughs> like a bit of cheeky. So Kim is doing. Um, I'm. It's shibari, but I'm just going to say that to translate that from Japanese, I'm going to call say it's a soft. Oh, give me workshop. a break. This is not appropriate for our PG. I'm not even. Not, not even for our PG podcast, Matthew. There are young children listening. I'm sure. Well. No, well, it is actually a, it's an ancient Japanese art form um, of of rope work, and um, yeah, Kim Kim runs uh, uh, her own festival and was in touch with us because a lot of our instructors go to her festival and present there and even attend. And um, yeah, we were looking at it. I'm like Nick, this is pretty pretty out there for for, for BFOP. and he's like, let's just do it. And sure enough, looked at some of the work, and I said, oh yeah, actually, this is pretty cool. So we have got. Um, uh, a shibari shooting shibari workshop which is i don't think is going to be nuts because like how many people ever get to get exposed uh, exposed being the operative word I've, i still don't know whether you're serious or not yeah. so i'm gonna to have to go onto the bfot website and have a look yeah and can i also say that um you know uh if you attend that workshop you may also volunteer to be a ah, model in it I'm, no. there. I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm offended that you haven't asked me already to participate so oh you know what? I was terrified <laughs> of telling you about this workshop just in case. I, I'm you put booking the waxing session just as we speak. Yeah. I'm, uh, oh God! Oh, you don't. Ooh, yeah, you don't get to ropes. Bit of rope. Bit of rope burn. <laughs> oh, wouldn't be the first time. Wouldn't be the first time. Well, that's <laughs> very exciting, Matthew. You've got me all hot under the collar. Oh my God! I don't know where to go with this next. Yep. I think that, uh, yeah. So there's some really cool stuff happening. And um, there are some key things that I should say, though, just because, you know, just the boring stuff is that we're actually closing Stop ticket it. sales this year. Stop. So something we've well, never really done when, before. When that we're closing ticket sales close, yeah. uh, Sunday we... week. So the 18th is your last no. opportunity. Wow, so that's not long. Yeah. Wow. Mm. No. Uh, so get in quick. Um, and then I can for the first time anywhere, announce some important dates for people as well. We will have our bookings going live on Sunday, the 25th of September in the evening. Uh, I can't give you a time yet, but it'll probably be something like a health, it'll be a healthy time, probably like 7 p.m. or something, you know, when everyone's sitting down for dinner. That's it, just when you'd be, you're going to be contending with having dinner, getting a robo phone call from um, from an insurance company telling you about an investment opportunity and having to book your workshops all uh, on a Sunday night. Okay. Um, and then you've got uh, six days to book your workshops, so up to the 30th, Friday the 30th, and then on the Saturday the 1st, we will be going live with cash bookings. So if you have run out of credit or want to top your credit up and book some more stuff, you can do that from the first right through until Is it true that the Tom Putt workshops are already booked out? Before bookings have even opened, they're already booked out. There's a wait list. There is not a wait list, but obviously, <laughs> yes, um, booked out. Because Nick, um, the bad news is that Nick Nick has, has, has kindly asked you to refrain from attending this year because... Um, no, I'm, I'm happy to. I'm happy to. I'm happy to <laughs> attend without instructing. That's so 
many good workshops and so many great people. And I'm saying this honestly that uh, are attending this year. And uh, I would love to be on the other side to be able to attend and, and get that, soak up all that amazing knowledge. Yeah, there's actually a lot of workshops this year that, you know, I, I think I'd love to attend because they are just things that are different as well, things that I've, prob- I've you know, mm. not been exposed to, you know. Um, Exposure I think the operative word for this year. The- Matt, is it, is it, is it true <laughs> right. that you've hired um, 30 of Australia's top videographers in order to record every session, live stream it on Facebook and have it available for anyone who can't attend in person? Well, if you have been to Bright, you'll know that the internet connection up in Bright is good enough to do that. Um, so, uh, look, the short answer is um, read the instructions. No, uh, obviously that is absurd. And you're right. We've been getting so many requests saying, is this year's festival live streamed? And I'm hoping that people did read the instructions and actually are asking because some Ooh, of it is live streamed. That's what I'm hoping. I'm hoping that people are asking because they want some more clarity on that. And... Um, the answer is yes, there is some live streaming. So our main stage, which is normally a paid ticket, right? So normally you would, we have like a, your BFOP ticket includes the main stage and yep. you know your credit for workshops. And then we used to have a ticket that was just work um, right. presentations only, which was like 50 bucks. And it was kind of just for family and friends if they're up there or people who maybe, you know, weren't wanting to do a workshop or want to limit the budget and just, just attend some of the incredible presentations which yep. we are yet to publish. Um, we thought, no, stuff it. This year, one wow. ticket. But we are going to, with the help of our friends at Nikon, um, we are broadcasting all the presentations on the, the main stage live. Wow, that's stage. fantastic. So people can, if you can't make the festival, you can be at home and have, you know, I think, you know, t- typically we have um, back-to-back presentations on the main stage uh, for like 12 hours a day. So there's a lot of content that will be streamed on a single channel though, and it will be free, um, hopefully to inspire you to jump up and um, yeah, come on awesome. next year. That sounds great. Wow. wow. Yeah. That- Pretty cool. Pretty cool. And a big thanks to Nikon because they are providing all of that streaming junk because we cannot <laughs> be bothered doing it ourselves. Uh, <laughs> yeah, no, that's uh, well done, Nikon. Well done, everybody who um, gets behind the Bright Festival of Photography and make sure you get your tickets ASAP. Mm, I'm not even coming it. up as a recording here. I cannot even see my blips on the radar. Uh, I can. I can <laughs> see your radar blips. All of a sudden I had a heart attack. I thought that I wasn't actually being heard. <laughs> yeah, oh, t- Tom, you could be I hope so. Hey, we better wrap it up there because we've gone well over time so long as we can recover that previous recording. Um, but um, it's been great to catch up with you. It's been too long. I feel like we need to do a lot more of this, but obviously time will be mm. very limited as always between now and uh, October 7th for the kickoff of the Bright Festival of Photography. Wishing you all the best with that. We'll have to catch up another time where we can talk about your fabulous trip. Yeah, I reckon that we, I reckon you're right. We might. Oh, stop it. We might threaten to do that. Yeah. We may. (laughs) Shove it down your ears, people. We're going to shove it in your ears. Can't can't (laughs) escape us now. Thanks, Matt. It's been great to catch up with you. Catch you next time. See ya. Bye. All right. Bye-bye.